This is Terry, one of the hosts of With Those I've Journeyed, an exploration of life's contours, intersections, and developments. This week, we have something special to share with you. It's a new segment of our show that we call Tag Your It. It's simple, really. We want to be able to offer virtual studio space to expand the voices of our show. So, in Tag Your It, we hand over the microphone to one of our previous interviewees to become podcast host. In this inaugural episode of Tag Your It, Brittany Ryan, a friend that I interviewed earlier this month in an episode called The Empowered BMR, takes the DJ reins and interviews her friend Sarah about their shared journey out of Christianity and how to find empowerment in this world as a woman. Brittany and Sarah's discussion was so interesting that it was difficult to make cuts. But like all of our podcast episodes, I had to make some serious edits from the totality of Brittany and Sarah's conversation. So what you're listening to right now is the edited version. But for our listeners who would like to listen to the completed, unedited version of Brittany's interview, we're making that available as well. So if you want the short version, stay where you are. If you have time and are interested, press stop now and load the full uncut version. That's enough from me. Take it away, DJ BMR. Hello, everybody. Hello. You may recognize my voice from a few weeks ago on the With Those I've Journeyed podcast. I am Brittany Ryan. I was a guest of Terry's on the March 9th edition. I um, was asked by Terry, thank you very, very much, Terry, to take over as the first host of Tag Your It, where the hosts of this podcast ask somebody else to interview somebody that has gone through a journey with them. And so today I have my lovely, wonderful, amazing friend, Sarah Hankins here. That's me. And full disclosure, we may mention a few things because we recorded this once and it was a great recording. So much podcast. High quality content. So good. And then the recording didn't work. So we're, you know, that was our rough draft. This is our final edition, final copy. So if we laugh or say things like, like we said last time, <laughs> that is what we are referencing. But this time we have wine, so we do. It's even better. Yeah, and the sun and the sunshine is shining longer because we <sighs> have sprung forward. We've sprung. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sarah, yes, I want to start by discussing how we met one another. Yes, and. I also do want to talk again about how food has brought us together because I think that that is like, yeah, I want to call this podcast the fruits of the spirit of feminism (laughs) and of friendship. Yep. Because it is. Of feministic friendship. Yeah. Because we literally did meet over fruit and discovered that our journeys were same, same, but different. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about how we met and then I can also... You know, talk about my yeah. memories of you. Yeah. So I met Brittany the first summer that I lived in Seattle. So it was 2016, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I had moved to Seattle from North Carolina with my partner. Um, and we moved out here, not really on a whim, but just like excited to 
explore, try new things, be in a new place, be around mountains, because that's what we loved. Anywho, we got here in October, and I was, like, pretty lonely and depressed the first six months, and um, was trying really hard to find friends, because friendship and connection is really important to me. It's, like, a defining thing in my life, is having people that I can trust and that I can have fun with and hopefully learn to be myself around. So I was feeling lonely. I'd like met people through work, but I hadn't necessarily had that like connection. And you guys know what I'm talking about, that connection when you meet somebody and there's just like sparks. It's chemistry. Uh And I think a lot of times people use that to talk about like romantic relationships or sexual relationships, but I think they're a huge part of friendships. Um, And I... Uh, I volunteered at the farmer's market because I loved farmer's markets and I, my husband was a chef and I'd been around food. And when I was in North Carolina, I'd done a little bit of writing about like local produce. And so I wanted to explore that in Washington because like whole other coast, there's got to be different things available. And I wanted to like make friends and get to know my community. So I volunteered for the market that was in my neighborhood and Um, I got there the first day and I showed up all peppy and happy and excited and met this incredible woman who just was like, I don't know, boom, there was this click and that obviously was Brittany. Um, and we just started connecting on lots of different things. I remember talking about Harry Potter And I remember talking about Gregory Allen Isakoff. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking about, I mean, food was a big part of it. And that we both were transplants who had moved to the West Coast from the East Coast. So those were like the first, the first memories I have of you are like, who's this dope chick (laughs) who like (laughs) wants me to hang out with her at the market. And like, I, I don't know, it just, it felt like. It felt like she saw me, and she was one of the first people who'd seen me, really, since I moved here. So that's my intro to it. What about you? Yeah, I remember um, you like this amazing ball of light and energy coming up towards me and introducing herself. And I was like, yeah, this is going to work. Like, we're going to be friends. You can kind of tell. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when you move to a new place and you, you know, you have those friends of necessity when you first move to a place yep. and then you have friends that yep. you actually want to make. And there's, it's a real difference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I knew early on with you that I wanted to be your friend. Um, but I had only like, it was just, you had this connection to me. Yes. I think connection is just as important in friend relationships as romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and it's also something that we don't really consider or talk about a lot like we don't I don't know we don't say things like we don't have that talk with one another like you do with romantic relationships yeah we don't have the DTR but you should should I feel like we did we did we did but it doesn't always happen yeah a lot of people don't communicate what they're looking for in a friendship or Mm -hmm. any other relationship but Mm -hmm. it can be really beneficial to do that Mm -hmm. yeah I think it is yeah. And I think I've been intentional about that since I was trying to, when I was trying to like make friends here that I wanted to be lasting friends. Yeah. Early on in conversations, yeah. I would be like, hey, I want to be your friend. Can right. we be friends? 
um, and just naming that. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to let the um, Seattle freeze get me. Yep. Yep. Type four over here in the yep. Enneagram. We both are. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think, too, I, I think about that and I think about how um, I am somebody who likes to say what other people think is the obvious. Like, it for me, it's important to say things out loud because maybe I don't get the social cues or I just want to make sure that I'm saying what's important to me. Um, so if you're, if you're a friend of mine, you will probably know this because you'll get a text out of the blue saying like, I think you're awesome and this is why. And maybe I'm not uh, like great at doing it all the time, but I do that because to me it's super important to tell the people that you love that you love them and why you love them. So I think like that's something that resonated in our friendship is just like uh, telling each other why we are important and like what it's meant. Like we both do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you do that with other friends too. So I think that resonated was like, oh, this is a friend who's going to talk about her feelings with me. And like when I say I love you, you're going to say I love you back. And that's really meaningful to me because I think it's important to hear that and to say it. Right. Yeah. And before we even had any conversations about our backgrounds from like the Christian, how we were brought up, um, yeah. which we will get into here in a little bit, there was this connection. Yeah. Like, yeah, for, foreshadowing. <laughs> there was like this, this connection that we had with one another. Um, yeah. That then went deeper. So. Mm-hmm. You know, like I knew we were going to be friends, right? But then our partners became yeah. friends, which doesn't always happen. Doesn't happen. We had been John David and I had been on. John David is my Brittany. husband partner. Mm-hmm. My Brittany, yeah. Um, I like to call him my partner because husband is, you know, I belong to him kind of thing, and that right. just bugs me. So I'm gonna call him my partner. We're equals in this. We have a partnership. Um. He, we had gone on a number of couple dates that I had dragged him along to. He's a much more like I can be by myself kind of person, go fishing. And I'm like, oh, I want to make friends and build a life here. So we've been on a number of couple dates that just didn't work out well. Like we didn't click. And I feel like meeting Sarah and Ben was like the last straw for John David of in the time frame that we were in. We had just moved to Seattle um, the summer before we met Sarah mm-hmm. and Ben. We've been on a number of them. So all that to say, I invited, I remember like having a conversation with you. I remember getting kind of (laughs) shwasty at Eve. Oh shit. Our first date. Our first date when Ben was was so nervous. Oh my God. I was so nervous. Ben. Yeah. We met up and sat at the bar and talked for hours. And when I came home, I was like, you have to meet. Ben, we have to do this. We have to meet Ben and Sarah. You have to meet Ben and Sarah. We have to go out on a double date with them. And Johnny was like, ugh, I don't know. Don't set me up with more boys. Yeah. And then he met Ben. And it was like, they're like, if you, I don't know, if they're like, it just worked. They they clicked just like we clicked. And they're such great friends. And so I love to yeah. see that. And we all bond over food. And we love to cook together and eat good food together. And... So, it's just Watch been, Lord of the Rings together. On Christmas. Or any day for any me time. and John David. <laughs> <laughs> ben and I just critique it. It's great. And Sarah and John David. We're 
very complimentary of one another in our <laughs> relationship too. John like, David and I are very similar in ways and uh-huh. Ben and Brittany are very similar in ways. Uh-huh. It's great. We just all get along. Yeah. And, and well, it's easy. It's easy. That's something we've been saying since the beginning. Like being friends with you is easy. Yep. And not every relationship is like that. And I'm not going to say hard relationships aren't worth it, but it's just really nice to find relationships that are they flow. It's mm-hmm. natural. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, but I mm-hmm. want to ask specifically if you can tell me a little bit about, and maybe describe your journey over the last few years of self-empowerment and discovery. I know that we've talked about like your career journey, what brought yeah. you out here, but I think that your story is so important when it comes to just like the journey from how you were raised mm-hmm. and just what that looks like going from, I'm not going to like, I'll let you tell your story, but yeah. going from where you were to where you are now, which is, you know, I want to name it as post-Christian or Yeah, I feel spiritual. comfortable with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. can you just tell me? Us, so, your listeners? My dear listeners. <laughs> okay, so you've heard a little bit about how I was raised. I was a missionary kid. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet told you all that as a child of missionaries, my parents lived in the town of Guayaquil, Ecuador. It's where I was born. It's on the coast. It's a port city. It's very big and very humid and hot. Um, but they wanted us to, myself and my two older sisters, they wanted us to have a good education um, to be taken care of and to be at a Christian school. So they actually sent us to boarding school, which was in a different city in the middle of the Andes Mountains in Quito, uh, a very beautiful place. Um, but a very, very, very hard thing to go through as a child because I lived not in my parents' home. My parents' home was where I went on vacations, like Christmas and summer. My family, we didn't really know. I mean, it hurts to say now, but we didn't really know what it meant to be a family with each other because we were so often apart. Um, And even when I was at school with my sisters, um, we were, the three of us were living in a dorm with about 35 other kids from age six to age 18. There were, for those 40 kids or so, there was four adults who we called our dorm parents who were like in charge of us. But if you think about it, if you're one of 20 children with two adults to those 20 children, like you're not getting much one-on-one time and you're not getting to be parented, you know? And I I can look back on my life and see that I just wanted to be parented. Um, I wanted somebody to ask how my day went and to see the subtle look on my face like I'm about to cry without having to say I want to cry to someone that I didn't know very well. Um, So that was like, that's a big part of what has shaped me in my life and a big part of the my journey over the last few years has been going to therapy and processing that and trying to work through how that shaped me and how it's affected me in relationships with other people um 
and and how through that through that lens I I kind of clung onto the idea of Christianity because even within my family the idea was my parents were always they said this out loud they were always sending us or giving us back to Jesus because we belonged to him anyways um so it was kind of this idea that or at least the way I interpret it was like God's going to raise your kids and he'll be okay because my parents really did believe that God was all loving and would be like taking care of me and my sisters. And I, I held on to that idea for a really long time because I mean, it was lonely and it was hard and it was sad. And there are so many times where I remember like clinging to my friend's parents because I just wanted that kind of a relationship. That is, it's something that I didn't really even start seeing as a negative thing in my life. Um, until I was like 24 maybe and I started realizing like oh this actually like for years I had defended my parents decision and was like no they had a calling it was what they were supposed to do and then I started realizing like this actually really affected me and like I'm doing good these days but I still have times where I'll come upon a memory and just like break down because it 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 causes you to question Am I truly loved? Is God loved more than I am? That's something you and I have talked about, Brittany. This idea that like your parents are always going to put God first. And so you can't be loved uh, unconditionally because God is loved. And then you're human and you're sinful. So you don't quite measure up. Yeah, there's a condition Uh, around it, right? There's like the condition of God. God is the condition with which somebody loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yes, this yeah. is something that we both have addressed and talked about a lot, and I think that it's something that a lot of people struggle with and don't know how to put that into words. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So um, that that was a very shaping thing of my childhood, um, and it's a it's a weird thing. There's not a ton of people that I know who have been through something similar to that, um, which can often make me feel like an outsider like oh people just don't get me because they didn't experience this or whatever um it's something that has brought me a lot closer to my sisters who have gone through the same thing but yeah that definitely shaped me and as an adult over the last three to five years I've been decompressing what it means to me um kind of for the first time I've been making my family talk about it Because once we all did move back into the same home, we didn't really ever talk about it. What it meant or how it made us feel or what we had hoped it would do. There just was no processing ever as a family together. And and so we're doing that now as like my parents are in their 60s, 70s, and we're all in our 30s. And we're just now like starting to work through how it has hurt and and um what does it look like to move forward after having that kind of a past? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's been a huge part of the last three years, especially for me. Therapy has helped a lot. Shout um, out. I think that Brittany is probably one of the people that gave me the courage to go to therapy. Um, I remember starting to think it was really when I moved to Seattle and started having a crisis of everything, an identity crisis, a faith crisis, 
a, what I used to think relationships were, um, believing in love, like all these things that had been so foundational for me were shaken to the core growing up in a Christian bubble all the time. Like, you know, even though I walked in circles that I would say were pretty radical, like we talked about last time, the, um, Shane Claiborne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was like a pretty emerging church. Yeah. It was kind of controversial at the time because the intention was not so much on like, what are the rules of Christianity, but like truly living like Jesus. And so I thought that I was being radical, but was also so very close minded in a lot of ways and um, really judgmental. And I, I used to mm. think, I used to get frustrated when I would hear people like, I would hear them like re- repeating what they heard their parents saying growing up. And I thought I wasn't like that. And then I've realized recently, like a lot of things that I held on to so dearly were things I inherited from my parents. I'm like, oh, what does that mean to look at those things and say, like, I don't agree with this. And um, even just having the courage to say, like, I have an opinion that's different from my parents or my community. Like that takes a lot of courage, or at least for me, it has taken a lot of courage. And I, I feel like I was really taught not to trust my own intuition mm-hmm. as a Christian and as a woman in the Christian faith. Like a, as a, as a Christian, I was taught like my intuition is bad. Inherently it's bad because I'm uh, a human and humans are inherently sinful. So anything that's my intuition is like the opposite of what's right. So that's kind of, that's a problem because that causes you to second guess everything and not ever trust your own opinion. And then also as a woman in the Christian church, it was like, you're not the leader. You're not the one who's in direct contact with God, kind of. And my parents probably wouldn't agree with that, but that was a lot of the community that I was around. Um, and uh, just like, you don't lead, you follow. Um, yeah, a lot of it really came down to that. Like, inherently, you're a sinner. And so whatever is your inherent thought towards something is wrong. Um, so yeah. that that caused a lot of identity crisis, realizing like, most of my life, I did not trust my own intuition. And I think that our intuition is like, it's in, super important. Yep. It's a huge part of who we are. And um, I think being in like, in communion with who you are is really important. And if you're at war with who you are, you're never gonna have the courage to do things that are hard. You're not gonna believe you can. You're not gonna push yourself. You're not going to expect things from other people because you are constantly warring with like what it means to be human. Um, so that's a big thing that I have struggled with. And I remember when I got to Seattle, like starting to hear this idea of self love. And I was like, what is this? This is like very progressive compared to what I had learned in Christianity because to me in Christianity, I had seen everything as I couldn't love myself. I could only love God. Like all the songs were like, empty me, rid me of everything that is human and everything that is my own and put God in there instead. So the idea was get rid of anything that was of my own to put God in there. And I remember being sad when I would hear friends talk about like, 
oh, I'm like learning self-power and self-love. And I'm sad now for the me that was sad about that then, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. It does. Power is not a negative thing. It can be. It can be misused. We see that all the time. But we see it in the church. Yeah. Like a lot. We see it by with white men, white Christian men. I mean, I'm fresh off of the fact that, and I'll, I want to get back to what we're talking about, but I'm fresh off of this um, murder, this mass murder that has happened, that happened in Atlanta yesterday mm. of eight Asian women that were killed by a white Christian man who got away with it and said that it wasn't a hate crime because he uh, was trying to rid himself of his sexual desire. So he took that out on women. And because he's a Christian and he said that, it's not considered a hate crime. What the fuck? Right. How that's is that so not power? Twisted. So I'm just, that's my rant for It's like a permission right slip. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that there's nothing more freeing. You know, when, when I started asking questions and like deconverting from Christianity, Everybody said, well, you're going to end up this way or that way, which I hate being put into boxes. But at the end of the day, I'm so much freer. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm free from that judgment. I'm free from that shame. Um, I'm free from that, like, self-hatred. Yeah. And I'm embracing that self-love. Yeah. That I have this power within me, this positive power. Mm -hmm. Getting back to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, power isn't a negative thing. No. Except for when it's used by white men to kill people. Yeah, except for when it's abused. Abused. But there's something beautiful in, like, the pow- the empowerment of autonomy. Mm. Um, like, I used to be so scared to spend time alone. Because I thought when I was alone, I wasn't doing anything to further the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so... It was like I was a waste of time and space if I wasn't always working toward bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so like time alone with myself was terrifying. I was so anxious. I was depressed. I would break down crying. I was just like, I'm not when I'm alone, I'm not worth anything. And that has changed a lot. Um, I used to think that I was like only an extrovert. And I think a lot of that had to do with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And a fear of being alone. And one of the things I've learned over the last few years is that, like, I have a lot of times where I'm really introverted. And I just want to, like, go into this amazing garden of my own mind and just play with thoughts and be there. And that can be, like, that can be one of the most beautiful times. It's like, I often, it's hard to describe, but I often will feel like, Like I have fuses on my left side and my right side of my brain. And if I haven't had enough alone time, they're like, they're not connected Mm -hmm. and they're all Mm -hmm. frayed. Mm -hmm. And then spending time alone, getting lost in a book or doing yoga or going on a walk and just like looking really closely at all the tiny little bits of the plants, talking to an animal. (laughs) Like those are the kinds of things when I'm just like with myself, I'm finding so much freedom and I feel like these like these frayed fuses on either side of my brain are like being reforged in that time Mm -hmm. and it's it's so cool to see how that can happen but that took like years of me working on it and having to say like like facing the fear of being alone Mm -hmm. and being able to say 
the time that I spend with myself alone is like worthwhile. And I, as a human being, am worth investing in by myself. Um, that's been a huge step for me, like recognizing what that means to me and the value of, uh, yeah, the value of becoming my own friend. Yeah. I feel like that's something that we missed out on. I know, I mean, I know that your experience was very different from mine growing up, Mm -hmm. but also it was similar Mm -hmm. because there was this self soothing that you had to do because when you didn't have your parents around, Mm -hmm. but I think there are a lot of kids that grew up in a Christian church, Christian way of life Mm -hmm. that had to do a lot of self soothing, but also we're terrified of being by themselves with being mm-hmm. with their thoughts of like acknowledging the fact that they had anxiety mm-hmm. and then when they would tell their parents, the parents would just pray about it or for yeah. you not even having parents there to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But if there would have been somebody, some adult that would have been like, I see you, I see that you are having anxiety. What can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, it's okay to play around in your brain. Instead yeah. of always having to go to like, well, pray about it or go to somebody else. Like don't right. trust yourself. There was never that trust yourself yeah. ever. Yeah. That was never a thing that was taught. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think that at the core is like the most damaging part of growing up in that, like that distrust of yourself. So yeah. that you don't, like you touched on earlier, like you don't ever... Uh, believe yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and still it's something that I struggle with today is like trusting that I know what I'm talking about right Uh Mm uh-huh or Mm -hmm. I think I feel like this is something I talked about last time and something we talk about is that um like I've grown exponentially I've grown so much in my self-value and self-worth and uh, trusting my own intention. But I still, like, from day to day, struggle with, like, I can see myself as really valuable in myself. But then also, like, trying to see myself the way that people who love me see me, like, that's still something I struggle with. That's going to be, like, the work of my life Mm -hmm. is, like, being able to see myself as truly loved by other people. And the people who don't like being able to let go of that and have it not matter. Yeah. I think self-discovery naming it just like, I think that's the most important, like naming what it is that you're discovering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads to my next question, which is around where are you finding that you can fully be yourself? Where and when? Yeah. I think I've hit on it a little bit already uh-huh. talking about my own brain. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a super freeing thing for me, just getting to explore my own brain. Um, and I love that. That's like the most me that I can be is when there's not another human being around and I don't worry about any kind of judgment. And I'm just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want or I'm going to spend my time thinking about what I want. And that's like, I don't know, like, like I'll, I'll write I journal, but I process a lot of things within my own brain. And that is like a beautiful resource to me. Hmm. And then on top of that, um, and kind of piggybacking off of it is nature. This is something we've talked about before. Um, 
to me, nature is like the best thing. It's, it's very not human. Like, yes, nature is being very affected by humans, like climate change and global warming, those things like that depresses me. It makes me really sad because like our planet, we're running out of a lot of our resources and we're just consuming, consuming, consuming. But there's something incredibly beautiful about being in a place that it doesn't have, it's not all about technology. It's, I, I don't see the thumbprint of human beings and mm-hmm. I just see like nature, this wild and incredibly powerful thing that was here before me and that's going to be here way after me. Just like existing and just being. And um, I am kind of a mystic in the ways that like, you know, last winter I would tell you I had a snowball fight with a cedar tree in my front yard. (laughs) But it was just like this beautiful moment where I was outside and the wind was blowing and it was knocking snow off the tree. And I felt like I was having this like interaction with something even though it wasn't human, it was still like me and nature getting to engage and Mm -hmm. maybe nature on the receiving end isn't aware of it or like doesn't care. But for me, that's like a beautiful thing of like getting to connect with the nature around me. Um, So like going for a hike or going swimming is a huge one for me. Just being able to be in this safe little space where it's either me and no one or me and this incredibly beautiful, powerful thing that I call nature. Um, But then also, over the last few years, I have been learning that I can be myself with really trusted friends and my partner. And even that is hard. Like, this summer, I'll have been married to Ben for 10 years. And a lot of the last year, what we've talked about is how I've been, like, struggling to really let him into where I'm at. And um, I think that comes from a place of like childhood from some broken relationships and from having had friends where I'm just trying to please them and not really being myself. Mm -hmm. There's come a lot of fear of like, will I be rejected? Will they see this um, negative side of me? Will they see this part of me that's not the perfect primed, pruned, sunshiny Sarah and reject me or decide they're going to give up on me? And um Brittany and her partner have especially been some of the people besides my own partner who have shown me again and again and again that they're a safe space for me to show up and be and I don't have to be this perfect version of myself because that's not really real Mm-mm. but that like who I am whether it's up or down like that there's space for that and um so yeah like finding a community of people who will push you to be a better version of yourself, but also make space for you when, when you don't want to perform, when you don't want to, when you don't want to feel like you have to live up to this thing that you can't be at that moment. And to know that who you are is enough, even if it's not this like perfect version. Yeah. I was talking to my therapist this week about things like this and she was telling me that, and I didn't know this, but like, there's something about, and I don't really know what I think about it because this doesn't really lo- leave a lot of space for our trans brothers and sisters, but mm-hmm. this idea of like feminine or like female parts getting their energy from the ground mm-hmm. and male parts getting 
their energy from the sky. Like okay. something that we... And so it links our inherent feminism and our femininity to the earth and mm-hmm. why there's Mother Earth. Hmm. And she's mm-hmm. also telling me that she's getting really into ritual and ritual around celebrating Mother Nature mm. and especially being in a place where we have kicked all of the Native peoples out of and claimed it. But, like, getting back to that, maybe the Native – they do. Maybe the Native people, like, had it all figured out. And we, as this white Christian nation, came in and ruined it for everybody. Yeah. But, like, they – this, like, Mother Nature idea is mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. And why I think a lot of women are drawn to nature. Mm-hmm as something that's healing mm-hmm. because we're like literally part of that. Yeah. Instead of this male quote unquote male God, even though I know mm-hmm. that inherently the God in the Bible was written about being both male and female. Yeah. But like just us claiming something mm-hmm. as our own. And I think nature is just so beautiful. And so I want to yeah. claim it as women. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, for spending this time with me. Twice. Mm. Any day, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany, for choosing to honor me as your guest of course. on this podcast. Of course. Thank you, all you listeners. Yeah. We think the world of you. We do. Yep. Yep. Brittany and Sarah for their powerful and vulnerable conversation. This first episode of Tag Your It was remarkable and a complete success. I truly appreciate Brittany and Sarah's willingness to participate, record, and then re-record their talk. If you found yourself asking for more of their conversation, don't fret. We've uploaded the entire uncut conversation between Sarah and Brittany for our listeners at our site, ivejourneyed.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, Thanks to our listeners for journeying with us. 